Curious humans, gentle ladies, lad men, ladies and gentlemen, dreamers and dreams alike. And welcome to the Devolver Digital Forecast here at forecast.devolverdigital.com. Hi, I'm your co-host JM. And I am Jared. Hey Jared, how's it going? Pretty, pretty good, pretty good. How about nice. yourself? I'm doing alright, doing alright. A little allergy-y the last couple days, I think, but uh, otherwise good, very good. Nice. Yeah. Good to hear. Yeah. yeah. I've started, uh, I start. I haven't played more Outer Wilds yet, but I've started Outer Wilds. I started Celeste. Oh, uh, yeah. I finally, like, I've had it on Switch for forever, and I finally started that. And, of course, Cult of the Lamb is uh, taking over the world, so... Rockin' strong. Yeah. Rockin' strong. It's awesome. Thanks, everybody, for the support. Like, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Hope y'all are enjoying it and having a good time. You know, worshipping evil. We appreciate that. <laughs> Hashtag Hail Satan. Hey, oh, man, that what a throwback. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Uh, I should have brought nice. out some curly-haired Satan for some Cult of the Lamb streams. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's still time. <laughs> yeah. There's still time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Good old days. Good old days. Good old days. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that it? Is that all we have for, for opening banter? Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't got any new updates. Nothing special. Right, Not really yeah. playing anything crazy. Yeah, started yeah. a new farm on Stardew with my girlfriend, so that's been really lovely. Aww, um, yeah, nice. be real sweet. Um, but that's about it. <laughs> Aww, wholesome content. Very much. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, uh, well, yeah, I was try- I'm trying to do better about like in that, like saying things that are going on with Devolver, but really the biggest thing is that we just released Cult of the Lamb, so that's exciting, and we've got PAX West coming up. Yeah, um, in a few so weeks that's... now. I gotta buy my plane tickets. I need to write that. Jesus, I, need... Jared. I gotta write a. I gotta write that down. Hang on, real quick. <laughs> God damn it, Jared. Whoops. Whoops. Uh, just like the old days. Just like the old days. You know what else is just like the old days, Jared? What? Hanging out with people from Free Lives. <laughs> like you we used the... to do at PAX. Like we used to do at PAX. Mm-hmm. Why, I remember talking to, to Ruan. You remember talking to Ruan? I do. I remember it was just like this. That, that, that was pretty seamless. I'm impressed. Hi, hi. Hi, <laughs> Ruan. How's it going? <laughs> it is just like the old times. I, I, I uh... <laughs> I remember passing out in your house once. Actually, I don't remember. I remember being told <laughs> I passed out in your home, house once. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I remember you, you fell asleep in my hammock. Oh, yeah. I, I had, like, I had severe hammock envy. So I kind of had yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you just pat. Yep, I remember that. And definitely a couple of PAXs years ago. Uh, were you at the, the one Boston PAX that we went to? I mean, that was one of the first. I'm trying to remember if you were there. I'm not even sure. But yeah, I was there, sessions. yeah. Yeah, and now, finally, Expo season is starting up. And um, mm-hmm. like you guys the guys say, PAX West is coming up. And Free Lives are showing three games there. I think we're basically the entirety of the Devolver booth. Uh, but none of You're us are You're a big chunk going. of it. Now, careful. None of y'all are coming. Nobody. Oh. We really wanted to, just but uh, show just a couple show of things. Three games, <laughs> three games, and not even bother to show up. 
I mean, I'm like, th that's kind of cool, right? Like, <laughs> pretty rockstar. And I mean, Too I feel it has to be some sort of a record for a studio. For uh, I mean, sure, publishers <laughs> have more games there all the time, but how many studios have ever had uh, three unique separate games in development at the same time and at the same expo? It's got to be some some sort of record. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And not be there too. I got two, three unattended <laughs> games because we're not gonna we're not gonna handle your section of the booth. Uh, I'm gonna let I, that I mean, stuff go wild. People people will figure it out. I'm sure. They'll figure it out. That's fine. They can reboot the games when they crash. It's whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we can only talk about two of those games. Uh, and so uh, yeah. Does so everybody be cool? Uh, I mean, I think it it takes about like uh, thirty seconds of googling to figure out what the. <laughs> but yeah, it's not one has not even been announced. Um, so so only yeah, two games you... really, and then there's one mystery Devolver unannounced game that I know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah we got plenty of other mystery unannounced Devolver games that you don't even know about. By the way, no big deal. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, I mean, I, I found out about the game so late these days. It's like, I mean, I, I only heard of Call of the Lamb alongside ours when it was kind of in the in the same promotional cycle. And yeah. it's just like, wow, it just explodes. And and speaking, yeah. of, speaking of the old days, I don't know when this changed, but it used to be that whenever Devolver releases a game, I get it in my Steam account immediately. Like, I just have all the Devolver games. But that's yeah. not the case anymore. So now, I mean, sometimes I would like notice some game in my Steam library, and you can see it's it's an unreleased game. You know, there's a bull, but there's no store page or whatever. And then I'd be like, oh, cool, sneak uh -huh. sneak Devolver preview, play it and check it out. But uh -huh. nowadays, I don't even have Cult of the Lamb. I'm gonna have to <laughs> support them I like guess some gotta... kind of consumer if I wanna that's... find out if I wanna see it. That's heinous. We we need to talk to somebody. I don't want you to debase yourself by purchasing video games. You know, that's not purchasing that's... Devolver games. I mean, come on. Oof. And jeez, oh, I mean, would. Uh, Cult of the Lamb has done so well. I really don't think they need my money at this stage. <laughs> no, not your money. No, will. Huh? I wonder if I wonder if they. Uh, you know, well, when we you know when we when we got bigger, uh, I think they went through and cleaned out a lot of the. Um, the old the uh, trash like, the trash <laughs> we cleaned out the riffraff yeah that's you that's you no uh i think they cleaned out a lot of the old like uh permissions on steam and stuff like that for like devs that had had you know access to like you know all of our games like yeah you know, even secret stuff so I think that they just, you know, for security reasons, cleaned that out. I'm sure if I asked for a key very nicely, I'd still get one. Sometimes. I, I bet. I you think could. as long as you have like, you like do... a game in the works, you know, if there's a game that's still coming out with Devolver, then they'll then they'll try and be nice and give it to me. But probably if if we don't have any upcoming games, we might have to work for it first for those free keys. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. If y'all if y'all didn't have a game in the pipeline, it'd be a real fuck free lives attitude. Let me tell you. Like, oh, what have you done for us? What are you doing for us soon? Mm. Uh, so, Ruan, you uh, for folks who don't know, would you mind sharing like 
what you I mean, if you have a job title, what your role roles in Free Lies have been over the years? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if people kind of know Free Lies. We made we're very well known for Broforce. Uh, we also did mm-hmm. uh, Gorn and Genital Jousting mm-hmm. that happen out. Mm-hmm. Upcoming games are Eternal and Angerfoot, and one secret one mm-hmm. apparently. Um, mm-hmm. And I've kind of I've been at at Free Lives for ten years now. I started as just a programmer working on Broforce, as just programming designing. Uh, then I was the team lead on Gorn. That was kind of my baby from prototype till finish. And now yeah. I'm I'm not really sure what my job title is. I'm kind of aiming to be the free life spirit animal. Um, I'm just kind of, <laughs> I, I suppose the closest thing is producer, but the, the problem is that I am terrible with schedules, remembering things and meetings. So I kind of suck at all the things that you have to be to be a good producer, but I'm still kind of doing production uh, and just kind of helping Terranol. I mean, the, the Terranol, uh, schedule is quite tight. It has like a, a very immobile deadline, uh, and yeah, it's been announced. I can say because it's coming out on on Netflix Games, so that left mm-hmm. us with a very tight deadline. The um, the team lead on that, Sam, is relatively inexperienced, um, and they just wanted somebody who's had a bit more experience to just help out on the project. So I'm I'm not even developing the game. I'm not programming. I'm not know creating any sort of content i'm just there to kind of help out with uh, i don't know meetings and just like chat to everybody make sure they're okay and basic stuff like that i mean i, I heard nice. um i heard a thing that like, most most companies i think this was specifically japanese companies but i'm not sure um, there is like one old guy who nobody knows what they do, but they've been at the company forever. <laughs> and that's, that's, I don't know what the job title is for that, but that's what I'm striving towards. That's what I'm aiming for at Free Lives. I think it's the old man. The old man. All right. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got Graham at Devolver. <laughs> yeah. What does he do? Nobody knows. We know he keeps having birthdays and he keeps getting older. Yeah, uh, so he must be getting better at his job. All right. Theory like this. Yeah. That, that math <laughs> totally works. Um, cool. Cool. I mean, yeah. Like one, I mean, one thing I definitely want to talk about while we've got you here is just like how free lives has grown and changed and how y'all have managed to i don't know like maintain the creative wild spirit i don't know i mean i don't know i like, i'd love to hear you talk about free lives but also like like how did you get into this how did you get into making games and it's, it's been a bit of a wacky journey uh, we're from south africa so I mean, if you're growing up in south africa especially i am relatively old for a game developer i'm 36 now um so it didn't really ever seem like a thing that you could do, right? It just didn't seem like a possibility mm-hmm. until until indie games really came around. And at the time, I was working in corporate software, and I wasn't mm-hmm. really having a lot of fun. Um, the the movie Office Space resonated with me on a deeper level than, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, than, than anyone <laughs> would really want to. I mean, even though, I will, I will yeah. say this, though, I, my boss was way cooler. I, I actually did like the people that I work with, but the, the work was not that great. Um, and yeah. yeah, and it just seemed like, oh shit, this might be a possibility. I'd like messed around with programming while I was in school, like, I mean, since I was very little. 
I made the occasional attempt at game using very rudimentary tools, I mean, pre-internet even, because uh, everything mm -hmm. gets to South Africa a bit late as well. So a combination of being a bit older and being in South Africa means that, you know, everything is about five to ten years behind tech and general sentiment-wise. Um, so yeah. I had this background of programming and occasionally trying to make a game, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a realistic career path until indie games kind of came to fruition. And then I was, okay, I'm going to, I want to take a chance with this and see if it's actually something you know, that I can do. Um, and I was looking around at, are there actually people in South Africa doing it? And th there were one or two companies at the time, but even then free lives really stood out to me. It was basically just Evan, Evan and Jared. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it was maybe literally just the two of them. And they were making some cool mobile uh, zombie slicing game and some side-scrolling brawler kind of game that was just already... It was very clear that, you know, at least that, the, that they were very talented more um, than anybody else. And I was mm -hmm. like, you know, this, this company... And I, and I remember saying, you know, what I want is I want to live by the ocean so I can surf every day and I want to make video games because I was like heavily in that like depressed office space kind of mindset. And then as it, yeah. as it turns out, Free Lives at the time was based in Musenberg, which is a, a surfing town. It's one of the, it's the best place in South Africa to learn how to surf. And I was like, well, goddamn, if the, if, the, <laughs> if the coolest indie games company that has a job available is based in like the best place to learn to surf, then surely that's some sort of a sign from God, you know? And, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go for it. And I, was, and I uh, applied for a job. Um, I was lucky that Evan gave me the chance. I'm actually, I was looking at this just the other day because it's been almost 10 years to the day now that I've been at Free Lives and working in games. And man, I was so pumped at the time. I can, I can remember. So, so that started, and I went right into working on Broforce. They, they'd just done the first prototype, which was a, a, a jam entry in Ludum, Ludum Dare. Uh, and that had yeah. just started getting a response, and they were kind of umming and awing about abandoning this mobile zombie slicer game and going hard into Broforce when I joined the company. <laughs> but it, it became it became quite obvious that Broforce was the game that we should be pursuing, um, and we just kind of went from there. So we started. I was I was maybe the third. I oh, know there was Evan's brother was also working there at the time. So I was I was the fourth person there. Um, yeah. Broforce took a number of years, but it obviously did super well. And alongside that, the company just just grew a lot. Um, by the end of Broforce, I think we were like 12 people or something like that. Um, yeah. Now we're about 25, and we're okay. still kind of kind of doing things a lot in the same way. Um, still doing a lot of game jams and experimenting a lot. And that's kind of how we mm -hmm. find our ideas. We still enjoy that chaotic, creative thing. So I think even though we're all older and wiser and more professional and more organized, we're kind of trying to do it in a way where we can keep that like small team energy and dynamics and that very experimental, chaotic approach to making games, which, which is why we're working on various separate games rather than you know putting the whole studio together and making one big game i just think that uh, yeah. we at least function better creatively in small teams 
And yeah, I think that's that's basically where we are today. I mean, after Broforce, because the the company was so big, we kind of naturally when you when you're doing jam, when you're doing prototypes, you can't really do a prototype with ten people. So you naturally split into smaller teams. People tried different things, and general jousting yeah. and Gorn came from that. Um, and and another game called uh, Second Earth, which was eventually cancelled. Uh, and yeah, and that kind of grew the team a little bit more. And General Jousting and Gorn came out, were very successful as well. Um, Cricket Through the Ages was another game that's only on Apple Arcade. That was another similar kind yeah. of jam game into small team, into release that also just seems to really work for us. So now we've kind of formalized that. It's like if you're if you're not on a project, you're you're experimenting, prototyping, game jamming, having as much fun as you can while still you know producing <laughs> something. And if it looks yeah. like it's cool, and if it looks like people want to work on it, then you can go for it. That's so amazing. Cool. I I love how organic. I mean, literally, like the name, the it's in the name, free lives. Like you, it just seems like that what y'all do is create an environment where there's enough freedom for people to play and be creative and then you just find what everyone likes and you make something and that's that's amazing i love that yeah it's it's kind of crazy that it's held up for this long because it doesn't really sound like a sustainable model in a lot of ways but somehow yeah. it just kind of i mean i think you know you, you have to get lucky we got very lucky uh, with you know in a lot of ways but we've just kind yeah. of now found out certain strategies that allow us to get lucky more often um, and it just involves trying lots of different things <laughs> essentially yeah so and i, and I think yeah. that and just the confidence of having done this before just kind of means that we can still we're very privileged to do things in the way that we do uh, and we definitely appreciate that yeah that's amazing i mean it's it's it is a surprise i mean even like from the outside too like that y'all have managed to maintain this sort of style of doing things because i think i don't know a lot of people as they get bigger they they fall into i don't know the expectations you know it's like oh well we're we've had some success so we should do the standard path of those who have had success and like create a, a hierarchical structure where like like that's the way we make games now yeah, or, or make and, sequels uh, or make games in the same genre yeah. um i kind of yeah. look at studios that will make games in the same genre. So, I mean, for instance, Supergiant made Bastion, Transistor, and now Hades. And, and yeah. th there's honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be working on varied stuff, but there's a bit of envy as well, because you can just see their games get so good. Their games are so ridiculously <laughs> yeah. good, because they have this experience <laughs> making this thing, and they're growing the team alongside it, so everybody, always knows what they're doing when they do these games so i don't think you know yeah. i don't i don't imagine free lives is ever going to make something as involved and as like high budget as as hades is for instance but the sure. the benefit of our way is that you know one day you're working on a 2d side-scrolling platformer the next day you're working on some vr game the next day you're working on dicks fucking dicks and, and, what, and you, 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 know, you never really know what the next thing is going to be. It's just, and, and that keeps it exciting yeah. for me. Yeah. Nice. Um, so actually the reason that I was like, oh, we haven't had Ruan on the show is because uh, 
I was thinking, like, there's all this AI art coming out now, and it terrifies me. Um, like, I'm just like, oh, this is, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> More humans being replaced. Um, but I was thinking about, like, you playing with machine learning when you were doing Gorn. Uh, that was Gorn, right? When you were, when they, you were teaching the guys right how to walk and stuff? after Gorn. Actually, I started, I okay. started during Gorn. So, because we use physics, yeah. everything is physics-driven in Gorn. There's no set animations there's like an animation that basically serves as a guide for this puppet to try and do it but because mm -hmm. it's very hard to do that programmatically it really helps to have a little bit of ai that can actually have a sense of balance so in gorn there, there are a lot of you know i don't know invisible strings basically keeping the character upright and whatever um, a lot of magic forces mm -hmm. But if you do it all with machine learning, you can actually just like have the guy work like a guy. No invisible strings. He can actually just stand and balance and walk around and run and stuff like that. Um, and I, I, I tried it for a long time, but I don't know. I, I couldn't really get it to a point where it was better than what we've been doing. Um, mm -hmm. it, was, it was definitely a lot of fun, though. Um, and I learned a lot about machine learning, AI, and possibilities and limitations thereof but yeah i mean this dolly 2 is obviously just on a whole nother level i mean it's yeah. it's kind of insane i mean i would love to i haven't i don't have access to it but i would love to try and break it because i mean i found and most of these things have you been i also really loved following all the the game ais that were people were doing uh a, a couple years ago now so like alpha go alpha star um, there was a StarCraft one and there was a Dota 2 one. Um, I played both those games a little so I could really like follow what was going on there. And just seeing, yeah, what, what, what are the possibilities and limitations? Um, even though I, I obviously so I don't have know a very these... basic understanding of the tech. I don't know what these game AIs were. What were those? I mean, it's really just even people can easily beat even the hardest difficulty of any game, really, if the AI doesn't cheat. Uh, so Dota yeah. and StarCraft just being the two examples. And they were just trying to see, well, you know, chess is relatively simple for a computer to understand because it's turn-based, it's based on a grid. So it fits very neatly yeah. into, into how you will pro would program anything. But these more liquid games, if you will, like Dota has so many moving things and it's real time um, and there's imperfect information and all these kinds of things make it a very challenging AI problem to solve. So people at yeah. Google and um, OpenAI, I can't remember who did who, which one did which now, but uh, they went about trying to make a StarCraft AI and a Dota, Dota AI separately. And it, it took them quite a few years, but they did eventually manage to to create ones using AI that that could beat the top players. And what was interesting as well is in the AI, because it learns by playing itself, like millions and millions mm -hmm. of times, it'll actually come up with some slightly different strategies than human players do, just because it's not locked into the same conventions that human players are. Yeah. But I'm not, you know, I mean, now on the art side, I mean, it's gonna, it's still very early. I mean, this is less than a year old, but I, I'm, I'm not too worried. Although maybe one day it can, you know, if you, I wonder if being an artist will shift to being an AI prompter. You know, you just get somebody who's like <laughs> yeah. a, an 
expert AI prompter and then maybe goes and photoshops <laughs> it out so it looks a little bit mo more normal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some that look very, very good. And I, I'm just like, oh, man, that's like years and years of art school and practice and training. And, you know, this, this they're just, they're just printing them out. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Jared, for the, for the, uh, I assume, Cult of the Lamb Key. Appreciate it. Slid that, slid that right into your DMs, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, I nice. Got you. Jared's on top of it. <laughs> Welcome to the cult, baby. Praise the Lamb. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What, uh, what, what made you want to get into VR when you, when you started Gorm? You just goofing around. You're like, we haven't done VR yet. Um, Essentially, I don't, I was kind of like pumped on VR just kind of for the possibility of it because it was just this like yeah. entirely new thing. Um, and yeah. we, we had some access to dev kits here and there. I actually got the very first Oculus, the Kickstarter one. Um, I convinced Ooh. Free Lives that it was somehow a good idea to get one. And um, <laughs> and I mean, the, the and I got it and I was like immediately like just like disappointed by it because it was so limited the, the it's called the dk1 developer kit one then i was like oh, yeah. okay this I'll, I'll get i'll wait a little for it and whatever whatever until eventually we got access to the good ones so that was the hcc vive which is actually i think even today holds up the hcc vive is brilliant um yeah. and then i was like oh well now i want to try and make a game using this because it's i mean you use the same tools as you use normally you use like unity for us and same programming and everything mm -hmm. but it's this whole new world that you can access suddenly the game is all around you uh it's a room scale so you can use physical movements and not just like motion <laughs> track like perfectly tracked in 3d space so it's, it's yeah. like this whole undiscovered um game design area which happens super rarely like imagine if you know people just invented strategy games tomorrow like you know they, there's yeah. never been any strategy game and then some guys like well what if we put the camera in the sky and you can command individual units that would be like holy shit that's exciting there's so many ideas that can come from that and that was kind of the feeling with yeah. vr is there's like this whole new space this whole more than a genre because i mean there's subgenres in vr but and, and that that really excited me and i was like oh well i wonder if i can figure out anything there um because it's it's very hard if you if you make a first person shooter it's very hard to figure out anything new and exciting like you might improve yeah. on a lot of areas um of other games or you might have one or two fresh mechanics that set your games apart but really like you have a very good idea of what makes a good first-person shooter and what doesn't. But for VR games at the time, I mean, it was just kind of the wild west. Nobody knew what was good design. <laughs> Nobody knew what was fun. Nobody knew how you even yeah. taught the player. Because, I mean, um, you know, if you want to just have a door in a game, you know, you, the, the player's character walks through the door and there's like a text pop-up that says, press A to open. Like the person presses A and the door opens. But, but if you're in VR, ideally, the, the player opens the door by just turning the handle. But you need to yeah. communicate that this door in particular is openable. And you need a way for them to physically move there. And then like the whole interaction needs to happen organically versus just that like button press. Um, 
which, yeah. which is a lot of detail. I mean, it sounds very mundane, but when you add that, add that up throughout a whole game, it adds up to a lot of stuff to just figure out. And, and that was pretty cool. And, um, and I just figured people would really enjoy beating the shit out of ragdolls and VR. <laughs> being like Who super knew? violent um and that, that was a shock like, people really like being violent <laughs> VR more than i thought <laughs> it's definitely an experience like i mean occasionally you would have somebody's like mom play this game and it's some quiet middle-aged lady who's like kind of afraid of technology so it takes them like 10 minutes just to get comfortable with the headset and then you like put them in a little demo where it's just like oh so you can look around and you can point things or whatever and then like maybe 20 minutes in you're like okay so now you're going to punch the gladiator and at 25 minutes they're just like cackling madly covered in blood and just like <laughs> just the demons it out somehow and it was those transformations were like pretty pretty good to see Nice. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 viscerally pleasing to do violence in Gorn. Uh, apparently, it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I I really liked. I mean, the you know I love Gorn. Like one of the most exciting things for me in Gorn though was the locomotion, like using your arms to walk, kind of thing. Uh, was that something that you saw somewhere else or was that something that you were just like, well, this will work. And it, I mean, for me, it like totally, because my body's involved, I feel like it totally negates the nausea thing that happens in some VR. Yeah. I mean, some people loved it. Some people, uh, hated it. I mean, to me, it just seemed so freaking obvious, but also, I mean, mm -hmm. now it's not such a big problem anymore now that VR has been around, but at the time when VR mm -hmm. was kind of in its infancy, the, the locomotion problem was like why it was like one that people were always talking about and I just hated yeah. that you press a button and you kind of slide along the ground uh, <laughs> or, or if yeah. you teleport through through a space it's very hard yeah. for me to build a mental model of what the space is actually like you know it's like if you if I teleport mm -hmm. through a house I never get an idea of where the rooms are relative to each other and and whatever so yeah. I just figured, well, you know, for one, if you're in a swimming pool, you kind of move like that, like, or you could, you know, you hold onto the side and you push yourself. So I thought that would be intuitive, but I just wanted moving to take physical effort. Like if you run from one yeah. side of the arena to the other, you should be a little bit tired. It should involve physical effort to move that way. Yeah. Where if you, if you move with like pressing a joystick button or something, there's no physical effort. So it, it kind of makes it feel more video game-like, like you're back to pressing button to perform action rather than doing this thing yourself. Um, and and yeah. that, that was very important for me. Like all the, all the movements and stuff in Goron are very organic. There's never any floating text. All the menus and stuff are buttons that you press and dials that you turn. It's never, it's never a laser that you point at like a, a floating piece of UI. Um, just to kind yeah. of, you know, I just wanted people to be in the world as much as possible. So having having it take physical effort to move was just a logical extension of that to me. And I, I think even now I stand by it. I think it's better than teleporting and um, people are accepting the joystick movement now. That's kind of become the standard. 
But I, I still yeah. I still like my grab and pull movement. I think for me as well it helped with nausea and with some other people, but other people say it's instantly nauseating to them. Really? Yeah, some people absolutely hate it. We I resisted for quite a while. I was like, no, this is just the way I mean, which is kind of, you know, not a cool thing to do as a designer. But I really wanted people to just like properly try it because I was just so convinced that's superior to the other <laughs> uh, modes of locomotion. Yeah. But eventually, I, I, there, are, there are other modes. I don't think there's a teleport in, but there are other modes of movement. But some people hated it. Some people yeah. still hate it. Huh? Yeah. I mean, like I said, like it was, it was such a big thing to me when, when that, when I could like move my, when I could move my character with my human arms, like and walk with my arms, fucking blew me away. I was like, this is the smartest fucking thing I've seen in VR so far. This but, is amazing. It feels I really so liked intuitive. Is can, yeah. <laughs> It, it feels intuitive and you're very agile like you can dodge backwards mm -hmm. and like avoid some attack and then you can like lunge forwards and like do this and then yeah. you can like go to the side and pick a thing up and it's all very quick and very intuitive and it's as fast as i intended and and all that stuff where joystick you just can't you know you can't just quickly dodge to the side because your movement is usually quite slow and it just feels unnatural. Yeah. I mean, once you're into Gorn and you're like very used to moving that way, it just feels super intuitive. I mean, it's if, if somebody plays, especially their first couple of times and they play for, for a long session, like an hour, and they put the headset down, they'll grab the air to just try and start. <laughs> I, I, I was just going to say, I did the exact same thing once. I was playing Gorn for a long time and I got all sweaty and I went to go take a shower. And I turned the shower on, and the water was just in front of me. And instead of step forward, I like swung my arms forward, and I had to be like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> that's not how I move." <laughs> this feeble reality <laughs> doesn't work right. Oh, nice, nice. Well, let's see. Broforce, Gorn, Genital Jousting, doing, doing Terra Nil stuff these days. Hmm. I don't know. What's good? What what games are you excited about in the industry right now? What things, games or trends or whatever? Oh man, I feel like I'm I'm a little bit out of touch. I played I played Elden Ring, which was. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's really good. Um, yep. I'm going to be playing Cult of the Lamb. I'm pretty excited to check that out. Uh, I played nice. Stray, which I really enjoyed as well. Um, I love nice. those kind of games that are like based off a very strong hook. You know, it's just like the elevator pitch is just you play as a cat, and people are like, hell yeah. I find, I find it like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's inspiring that you can still come up with an elevator pitch that's that short for a game. And, I mean, the game is really well made, but its success is derived from this elevator pitch being that strong. Um, and that's cool for me, because, yeah. like, that's that's what we do. We do these, like, games that are based on these, like, really tiny but interesting pitches, generally. Um, other than that, man, <laughs> oh, and we've been, I've been playing some Raft. We actually, me and a bunch of friends of mine, because oh, nice. we're all spread out across the world nowadays, um... We started a thing during COVID and lockdown that every Friday night we get together and five of us play whatever game together. So we played a whole bunch of all the the, the tree punch games. 
you know, like Roft and oh, yeah. Valheim mm-hmm. and Grounded yeah. and um, Dota. We've played a lot of Dota and, and other such games. So I'm like a little bit, you know, I know actually, because that's not a side of indie games or games that I really play those survival crafts. Yeah. Uh, so it's cool to kind of see what's going on in that. Oh, and V Rising was another one that we played. I'm not sure if you actually mm. punch a tree there, but it's close enough. Yeah. How is uh, how is Grounded? Um, it's. I mean, it's one of those games, right? So if you enjoy sure. punching a tree so you can get wood, and then picking up a rock, <laughs> and then like making an axe, a stone axe, so you can hit the tree more efficiently, so that you can get more wood, so you can build a fire so you can smelt the iron so you can get iron so you can make a better axe with the iron and the stick so you can chop even more wood if you enjoy that it's really good in fact i would even say it's, okay. it's above average for the genre it's, it's got such good production values and the world yeah. is super pretty um, we, we quite enjoyed it i think we got to the end of the okay. content i think it's much shorter than those other games just because the the fidelity and the the quality of the content's a bit higher I thought it was really cool, yeah. really well executed, but definitely. I've been curious know, about it. It's 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 in the genre. It's very tightly in in that genre. Yeah. I mean, I played the shit out of Valheim in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they timed oh, that game so really well bad. for the lockdown, for sure. Yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> you want to pretend to go outside? Why, yes. yes <laughs> you played much Angerfoot yet? Uh, not a lot. I've played a bit. It's very challenging. I enjoy it. Oh, you find it challenging? We actually, we, we, yeah. put, a, we put a YouTube clip. We have a, um, all the people at Free Lives who don't ever play games, because there are a couple of them. Mm-hmm. We did a, a YouTube video where we let them play Angerfoot. Because, I mean, it isn't, you know, it's, it's not going to be anybody's first pe- uh PC game that they play, right? It's like you need to have played an FPS or two before you can really play it. So that turned out yeah. turned out pretty good, and I was like, oh, maybe this game is actually a little bit hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the the comparisons to Hotline Miami have been made. Uh, I, I don't even think. I mean, my suggestion for the game's name, because I mean, the 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 package was there quite early. The you know the hard base and the Hotline mm-hmm. Miami my mechanics. I was like, this game should be called Baseline Miami because that's kind of what it is. And I don't think they've ever been shy about the Hotline Miami inspiration. I think it was partially the idea was to make first-person Hotline Miami. What's what's surprising yeah. to me is that nobody else has done it before. Or I mean, I'm sure other people might might have done it and just maybe um, not as well. I guess. I mean, just disclaimer. I haven't. I didn't work on Angerfoot at all, so I'm not blowing my own horn here. But I think it's just maybe better executed than the other first-person Hotline Mammies. I mean, have you ever seen another first-person Hotline Mammy? Not really. Uh, not anything that has that kind of that loop of like, here's a short level, memorize it until you can beat it. Mm kind of you know challenging level get through it in a first person shooter but I mean I admit I don't play a lot of the genre um, I think yeah, everybody thing got to me... so caught up in making either you know boomer shooters either making basically Quake 1 or otherwise yeah. they were making uh, roguelite first person shooters or some combination of Quake and roguelite shooter 
that the kind of other style, the level-based game, using some, you know, I don't, I don't know if you'd call it more modern inspiration, but using inspiration from other in indie games was just something that people didn't really try. Yeah. Yeah, it seems surprising. The closest thing to me to Angerfoot is uh, a prototype. Well, I think it's on it's on itch, but Terry Velman did one called uh, Gobluzi, where there's all these goblins with Uzis, and you're this dude who runs <laughs> around, you're this person who runs around and like kicks down doors and like kicks the little goblins. So it's very similar to Angerfoot in the basic mechanic that you just go around like just kicking the living snot out of things. Well, I mean, anything Terry Valman does is great. So that must have been right? good. I mean, um, yeah. High Hell is also a game that we were, we were talking a lot about in the early phases mm. of Angerfoot, while we were kind of figuring out Angerfoot. Yeah, I mean, High Hell did have that kind of mechanic. Yeah, that level-based yeah, like kind of first-person door mechanic. kicking. I think the one thing that mm -hmm. Angerfoot does particularly well is it really encourages you to go ham. I don't know, I, I can't, I mean, the music plays a role in a, in a lot of the different mechanics, mm -hmm. but something about the game just makes you, you know, never let go of the W key the whole time while you're playing. <laughs> and High Hell for me kind of felt like it encouraged you to play slowly a lot of the time and be quite careful and peek around and stuff. Yeah. And anger for this no, just like run forward. Just don't stop shooting and keep running. Very bro force in that. That is like <laughs> encouraging you to just like not let go of fire, not let go of forwards and just play like that. Go, 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 go. Save the bro. Um, yeah. That's good. It's got that energy. Good music. Everybody's dancing, having a good time. Love it. Yeah, there's, there's a huge hard-based festival in the Netherlands around this time of year. We were trying to get the whole team there, but alas. I do think it would have been it would have been pretty funny to see a bunch of game developer nerds at like a hard-based festival. It's definitely something I want to, I would have liked to experience <laughs> from the nerds POV, obviously. Yep. 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 <laughs> Sounds pretty good. Jared, you got anything? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm trying to think. Are there any games we haven't touched on that we can talk about? No. Yeah, I don't think no. so, right? No? Yeah. I talked about all the games we can talk about. Talked about free lives. Yeah. <laughs> so when are you guys coming <laughs> down to South Africa? Let's talk about that. Okay. Uh, yeah, probably, uh, someday I was gonna, I wanted to go. What was that? What was the, was it the Broforce party? Right. There was a Broforce party where there were one or two devolverians down, but we do have, we have actually a, a festival now, um, that we do once a year called Playtopia, but it's still a couple months off. I'm sure we'll be, we'll be calling on to uncle fork. And hearing if he's willing to bankroll <laughs> maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is Playtopia? I mean, yeah, that's another thing. Like, you know, what what do y'all do? Y'all, because y'all do a lot in like around indie gaming, like not just within free lives, but yeah, what's some of that stuff that y'all do? Yeah, we've been trying to get better at that part because I mean, I think I think we're at least okay at making games, but there's quite a lot more that you can do. 
um, especially when you're when you're the biggest in a small industry. I'm not sure if we're actually technically the biggest uh, games company in South Africa. I think there's one company that might be bigger than us, uh, 24-bit. They actually do our porting, but they're more technical. Oh. Um, love those guys. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, so, so partly you feel some sort of responsibility to, you know, to, to help contribute to the, uh, to the industry. And it's not really something that we've, quite figured out but one of the things that we do okay. is this is playtopia and it's um it's a little bit in the mold of a maze uh berlin which is more of a like a, a digital experimental playful art thing than purely just indie games so we'll mm -hmm. we'll do ga hardware game jams before where you don't only make a game but you also build a piece of custom hardware to play it with so Mergazords was kind of born out of similar jams and stuff. So Mergazords, I made a... I forgot about Mergazords. Yeah, also, I mean, I only realized it way after. It was like, oh, you know, that's such a logical precursor to Gorn, actually. But Mergazords yeah. was this game where you, you have two teams and each one plays like a, a Megazord, you know, like a Power Rangers Megazord, hence the name. Mm -hmm. Um but the thing that always struck me is that you have these like four or five power rangers each of them controls a dinosaur and then they morph and whatever and they become one robot but there's still clearly four or five people controlling this thing <laughs> so the only thing that made sense to me was that like each person controls one limb like if you're the yellow dinosaur and you become the left leg then surely you're in control of the left leg so I, I mm -hmm. built a like simple 2D version of that with with a custom controller specifically for Expos. So you can ha watch like eight people basically trying to control two drunk robots fighting each other, which worked, did work pretty well. <laughs> but I mean, not um, so we're, we're trying to encourage people to build things like that for Playtopia. And we'll have guests down, we have talks, we show our games, we show other indies games. Um, and yeah, and it's, well, obviously it was doing well. I think it was two or three years. I'm actually not sure before COVID and now next year yeah. looks like it'll be the first one again. Um, in terms of contributing to the community, we also try and run game jams. We give out prizes. We sponsor other game jams in South Africa. Um, we occasionally do incubators if there's somebody who has an idea that looks like it might have some sort of potential then we then we try and just like encourage people to get it to a point where it could possibly be pitched to a publisher because there's like a little bit of a gap from Ooh. you know oh this looks like it might have potential to i can pitch this to a publisher and get funding for it um, and that yeah. gap can sometimes be hard to bridge if you're not working full time because that takes like, you know, making the prototype that looks cool, you can do it in a weekend sometimes uh, or a couple of weeks part time. But polishing that up and really making it look uh, worth spending money on takes takes some full time effort usually. So we just want to yeah. when we can, when we find a game, when somebody comes to us with something and you know maybe you need to pay an artist to work on this for instance something like that we, mm -hmm. we want to help people with that so that's something that we do occasionally but yeah i mean um, that's so cool i think that the community here in south africa is doing well given its size and problems but yeah it's, it's i think I, I feel we could be doing more though i'm not sure what
Yeah. I mean, it, seems, it seems like y'all have been doing more over time, though, right? I mean, you didn't start doing Playtopia and all that jazz, so it's been building, yeah? Yeah, no, it's, it's been building. I mean, it's also just, I mean, running your own company, even, even just making your own game feels very hard to do, even remotely well, with less than 100% focus. So if you're trying to make yeah. a game and you're running a company and you have everything that goes with that, you don't have a lot of extra capacity to run... Uh, a, an expo like that, which is like, I mean, Playtopia is sizable. It's, it's obviously no packs, but it's still relatively sizable. Um, and yeah, I just don't think we've had the capacity. As it so happens, uh, D Dominique, who is now our MD, comes from an events background. She used to put on um, like music festivals was her previous. So, oh, so for her, this is, it's like relatively easy. Um, to, to do this, I mean, compared to what it would be for me, I would never, I would be totally clueless. But she has experience yeah. in that, um, and she actually she was doing Playtopia before she started at Free Lives. Oh shit! Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah, I think I want to try to come visit on one of the Mauritius trips <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's cool. Well, they're in Mauritius right now, so you know you'll be oh, you'll shit. be welcomed. I think we actually said um, if the Wolverians wanna, I don't what, what what's what's the noun for a person from Devolver? the Devolverite. I I think we just say Devolvers. Devolvers. If any Devolvers yeah. wanna visit, if you just take care of your flights, then there is accommodation for you. So I'm sure that offer will extend to you as well oh, if you're keen. Shit. All right. Sorry, Jared. I can't go to PAX. Goodbye. <laughs> so now you understand why there's no free lives people at PAX. Yeah, now I understand why there's no free lives people at PAX. It's all partying on an island. Love it. Well, thanks for coming on here and chatting with us, Ron. It's nice catching up with you. It's been it's been too damn long. Yeah, it's it's definitely been too damn long. And I'm I'm just I'm I'm low key really hoping there's an e3 again next year because that's yeah that that like that that's always been my favorite the devolver parking lot the uh, i don't know yeah. what you call it at, yeah. at, but i am at this this stage in my life just jonesing for any kind of devolver contact so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah That'd be nice. E3 would be good. It'd be nice to have an E3. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you wherever we see you. And uh, hopefully, I don't know, maybe we'll play some games sometime. That'd be sweet. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. And it's been good to hear yeah. from you as well. Even though, you know, I might be do you, do talking you... a lot. but <laughs> No, that's what, the, that's what the show's for. So it's perfect. Uh, what, uh, what, um... Do you have pluggables? Do you have places that people should go to follow or find you? Um, buy our games. That would be cool. Um, I'm I'm on Twitter at rrza, but even better is to just follow our company, which is at free underscore lives, f r e e underscore l i v e s. Uh, but that's that's about it. Um, if you enjoy violence play Gorn or Angerfoot. If you dislike <laughs> violence, uh, play Terranol or Genital Jousting. And if you're mm -hmm. ambivalent, maybe <laughs> there will be another game that will be announced at some point in the near future. 
I know, actually, I'm lying. It's not it's got violence game. as well, but it's like got toned down <laughs> violence compared to other games. Yeah, it's, it's fair, maybe. Uh, sweet. Um, well, like Jared's always saying, if uh, if anyone wants to follow Devolver on Twitter, we're Devolver Digital on Twitter. Uh, if you want to chat with Jared directly, you can go to discord.gg slash Devolver Digital, head over to the Fortcast channel, and tag not as good as Robocop. He's there to meet your needs. Uh, do you like TikTok? God, I know you do. Why don't you follow Devolver Digital on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and everywhere your heart desires write everything you want from devolver and a piece of paper and put it in an envelope and put that envelope in the fire and watch the ashes go to the sky and pray to the stars that you'll get whatever you want thanks so much for listening did you read that <laughs> off like a script or did you just like nope it's just weird shit coming out of my face do, do people know about the the ballad of of Rambo video? Because I think people need to need to watch that to really appreciate the full depth of JM's creative talent. <laughs> I'm still very grateful to you that you recommended me for that gig. And I and I actually I, I loved your voice work on the one Terra Null trailer that you did as well. I thought that was just, that was quite oh, good. Oh, thanks. Quite demonstrating Thank the range there. I I felt. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, the wholesome trailer. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll put a link to the Broforce video and the thing. Okay, goodbye forever. Bye. Now I'm embarrassed. <laughs>